Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night. Waking sleeping thy presence my light well this week we are finishing our series I will give you rest reflections on the Sabbath and this is our fourth and final part in this in this series and I want to begin the way we've begun every week in this series, uh, by stopping and pausing, because the word Sabbath means to stop, to cease, to pause. And so I want to just stop right now and just take a few minutes, a few, few moments to uh, just pause in silence together. Let's just close our eyes and do that. Hey, well, congratulations again, Lydia, um, on your graduation. Well done, you made it. Now comes the hard part. If you don't believe me, ask your parents. Um, no, but congratulations, you've, you've done really well, and uh, it's, it's, an, it's a remarkable achievement, and it, it really does mark the end of an era, doesn't it, and the beginning of a new era. It marks uh, the end of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter in, in life that's opening up before you. And I guess whenever I get to the end of, of a, a one particular chapter in my own life, I often find myself asking, did I make the most of it? Did I, did I value it, the times, the people, the places, the, the events, the moments? Or, or did I sort of rush through it and, and take it all for granted? Did I savor, did I savor the moments? Or did I find myself impatiently waiting for the next thing? Time's a very strange thing, isn't it? Because we know that when we're children, time passes very, very slowly, especially when you're bored and you're a child. Man, that, then time just drags. But of course, the older you get, the more time speeds up. Well, it doesn't really. Maybe it does. Maybe it does because we perceive it, don't we? And we sense it and we feel it. Time moving more swiftly. And so it's impossible to explain to someone far younger than yourself. doesn't matter where you are on life's journey, but it's impossible to convey to someone far younger than yourself how time speeds up and what that might feel like. And so we're just left with those hackney phrases, aren't we? It was just the other day. It seems like only a moment ago. It's all gone by in a flash. Oh, it's over before you know it. My, how the years have flown. And where has all the time gone? And so I end up saying silly things like, it was just the other day that I was graduating. No, it wasn't. That was years ago. Well, no, Lydia, it doesn't feel that way. Actually, it, it feels like just the other day I was sitting right where you, you are now. Just the other day. And it was just a moment ago I met my wife. And I insist, I insist that, 
the last eight years that we've had so far in New York City have gone by in a flash. I mean, it's just, just like that. It's gone by. I don't know where the time has gone. And again, I ask myself, have I made the most of it? Have I valued it? Have I savoured uh, each moment? How do I know if I used my days wisely? Any of you uh, Office fans here? Any of you fans of The Office? Yeah, a few of you. I'm an Office fan. I, 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 there's this moment in uh, one of the last episodes, I think it is, where there's Andy is, is, a, is a character in The Office, and he, the, the different friends are leaving, different people are parting company and going their separate ways. And Andy looks at the camera, you know, because it's a mockumentary, so they're always looking at the camera and talking. And he looks at the camera and, and he says, you know, I wish there was a way of knowing you were in the good old days before you actually leave them. <laughs> the implication being perhaps right now is the good old days. I wish there was a way of knowing you were in the good old days before you actually left them. From a philosophical perspective, some might argue that it's nearly impossible to value and save a life the way that I'm suggesting that we should and the, and the way that, that uh, Andy in the office is suggesting that we should. Um, the philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer, filled with pessimism, thinks that life moves between striving for what we don't have and being bored of what we have already. And because we oscillate, life just oscillates back and forth, back and forth between going after what we, we, don't, we, we want, we don't have, but we want it, and, and then being bored of what we thought we always wanted, but realizing why well, we didn't really want it as much as we thought, and then wanting something else. Because we oscillate back and forth, back and forth between that, that, that then, then there's really just no ceasing, and there's no stopping, and there is no Sabbath rest. Well, let me put this less philosophically. Think about the chores that you have to do this week at home that are mounting up. Think about, for a moment, about the, um, the only partially, it's only ever partially finished to-do list. Uh, and, then, and then think about the tasks at work. And, you know, Friday night rolled around. You never did get everything done. And Monday morning's about to roll around again. And, and did you have any rest in between those times? And, and, and the stuff you're doing at home and the stuff you're doing at work, it's, it's all good stuff and, and helpful and useful for the most part. And so you have to get it done because in some cases you're making a very important and, and vital contribution. So what are you doing sitting here? You know, no time to waste. Get out there. Get on with it. But thankfully, it's that moment in the service where each week we have been stopping and just taking a moment to savor Jesus' invitation. Um, hopefully, each week, you know, we're four weeks into this now, and, and hopefully over the last three weeks, what's happened is the, the, this invitation into the Sabbath rest has started to have a, a sort of fuller uh, dimension, more dimension to it. And so I just want to stop again. Let's close our eyes once more, and let's just listen and savor Jesus' invitation. Jesus says to you right now, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is this light-hearted, easy, unburdened existence that Jesus invites us to?
Well, to understand Jesus, what we've been doing is, to understand his invitation into Sabbath, we've been going back to the foundational Sabbath story, which is the creation story in Genesis chapter 1. And so we go back there again this morning. We go from Jesus' invitation to the foundational Sabbath story, and the foundational Sabbath story begins with this striking phrase, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And I, and I say it's a striking phrase because if you were to compare the Hebrew creation story to all the ancient Mesopotamian stories, all the Near East creation stories of the time, you would f- discover that they begin in a very different way. They don't begin like this. They begin with what is known as theogony. Theogony, the origin of the gods. Where did the gods come from? Who made the gods? Who made them? How were they born? Right? How, how did the gods come into existence in the first place? But here we are confronted with the god who was never not in existence, who is the very ground of our existence, who has always existed, who, who is eternal, who has no limits, who has no beginning and no end. And, and, so, and so we are told, in the beginning, God. If you look at the creeds, uh, they pick up on this. Um, they say, we believe in one God, the Father, the almighty maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. Eternally begotten of the Father. And so what Genesis does and what the creeds do is they pick up on this distinction between the the existence of finite, limited existence that has a beginning and an end and, and, and contrasts it to this eternally begotten, this, this God who has no beginning and no end. And so it just simply says, in the beginning. And so confronted with the eternity of God, Genesis then confronts us with our temporal existence. And it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. Morning the second day. And it says there was evening and morning the third day. And so on and so forth. And at first, and I just want to highlight this, this is something that Chris spoke about a little bit last week. I just want to push on this a little bit more and and circle this for us. Because at first I think there's a mistake here, because we all know that the the day day begins with me when I get up and I get going and I get doing, right? That's how the day begins. And so this must be a mistake. But then it says there was evening and morning the fourth day, and there was evening and morning the fifth day, and there was evening and morning the sixth day. And you think, no, I don't think this guy's made a mistake here. I think he means what he says. And so what's happening is that the Hebrew day actually begins in the evening. It begins with the setting of the sun. It begins with you and I lying down and going to sleep and accomplishing absolutely nothing. Nothing. What did you do with the first part of your day? Oh, I went to sleep and I accomplished nothing. How un-American. How un-American. We begin, as Tish Harrison says, by resting and drooling on our pillow, dropping off into helplessness. Because, of course, when we sleep, we can't defend ourselves or protect ourselves. We can't keep ourselves safe. When we sleep, we cannot control or manipulate the world around us. We're helpless. And right there, we notice our frailty. And we notice our limits. Notice our limits. Reflecting on our limits, Eugene Peterson says, the Hebrew evening and morning sequence conditions us to the rhythms of grace. Grace, the undeserved, unmerited, unearned, unearned kindness and love of God. 
So he says it conditions us to that. We go to sleep, God begins his work. While we do nothing, God is at work growing crops, healing wounds, giving rest, mending, sustaining, redeeming. We drop out of consciousness, but God is at work in us and in the world. I think there's something really important about entering into that space between our time and what we might call God's time, between God's eternity and our finitude. Right? And, and so I want to go push further into this territory just a little bit this morning. And to do that, I want to look at Psalm 90. I don't know if you've noticed, but what, just, just as an aside, what we've been doing each week is, we, as I said, we start off with Jesus' invitation. Come and, and rest. Come into my Sabbath rest. And in order to understand that, we go to the foundational Sabbath story, which is the Genesis creation story. And from there, we've been going to a psalm which expounds on some. Every week, we've gone to a psalm which expounds on some aspect of that creation story. And then we go back to Jesus. So it's from Jesus to the foundational Sabbath story, creation story to the psalm, and then back to Jesus again. All this is an effort to understand what does it mean to enter into Jesus' Sabbath rest? What does this invitation mean? And so uh, we're going to look at Psalm 90. I love Psalm 90 because it it just pushes and and makes really clear that this distinction between God's time and our time, God's eternity and, and our finitude. And Psalm 90 says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or or like a watch in the night. The psalmist is inviting us to see our lives from God's perspective. What would it be like to see our lives from God's perspective? Well, Think about the generations and your life from the perspective of the generations, the generations that were here long before us. Uh, and, and then there, there were, think about the, the mountains that were here, uh, and then think about the, the earth. The generations were here long before you, and the mountains were here before the generations, and the earth was here before, before the, the mountains. Uh, and we're talking about a God who is here before all that. He is everlasting to everlasting. I don't know if, if when you were a kid, I, I used to, as a kid, I used to try and close my eyes and imagine eternity. Maybe I was just a weird kid. I don't know. But this is, I, used to do, I used to do that and try and think eternity, eternity. And sometimes I'd look up at the stars and try and imagine infinity, the universe just expanding forever into who knows what. I don't know. And just going on for infinity and eternity. And after you do this for a while, you, you start to feel a little bit of vertigo and, and, and you can't do it. And so you give up. And the psalmist says, okay, well, let, let's try this another way. Let's try this another way. So, so do you know what a day is? Yeah, I know what a day is. Well, well, do you know what a year is? Yes, I know what a year is. Well, imagine a day that passes like a thousand years or a thousand years, it passes like a day. Is, is that everlasting to everlasting? Is that eternity? Well, no, but it's the best that we can do. And compared with this vast, immeasurable time, our sense of time is that it rushes past in a flash. For all our days pass away under your wrath. Our years come to an end like a sigh. The days of our life are 70 years, or perhaps 80, if we are strong. Even then, their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Do any of you like flying? Uh, My wife hates flying. I actually love flying. 
Uh, I love it when I can get a window seat and I can look out of the window. And, and the, the flight we often take is from New York to London and back again. So that's the, the general route. Our family's over there, right? And, and I've been doing studies there. So we go back and forth between London and New York. And, and I love it when you're coming into New York, you're coming into to London, and you, and you look out the window and you suddenly see all of these famous monuments and, and, and uh, the architecture and things that are familiar, you've seen it on the ground, but as you come in, you see it in a totally different perspective and, and different proportion, and you see where everything is in relation to each other. And, and it's just in a way that you'd never get from just walking among them on the ground, right? And then you land. And so you have this sort of new orientation, this new sense of proportion and perspective. But at the same time, at the same time, you also feel a little bit disoriented because, well, it's seven in the morning, but for you it's really two in the morning and you're jet lagged and all you want to do is go to sleep, right? Um, and I, I, think, I think that Psalm 90 and others like it and, and Genesis chapter one, um, they can do that for us if we let them. These passages are can lift us up by the scruff of the neck to 50,000 feet and then bring us back down. And when they do, there is that mixture of disorientation and orientation, losing your balance and, and then finding your feet again in this new reality with this new sense of perspective and proportion. And I think that's why Psalm 90 moves from that feeling of vertigo to prayer a prayer that we would reorient our lives to this new situation. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's what we've been asking this morning. How, did I make the most of it? Did I value the time, the people, the events? Or did I take it for granted? Did I rush through it? Did I savor the moment? Or did I spend the whole time impatiently waiting for the next thing to happen? Did I use my days wisely? Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So in, in this series, we, we've considered several aspects of the Sabbath. Um, Jesus' invitation into Sabbath rest is an invitation to be present to God and to each other. Right? That's what we looked at in week one. In week two, we saw how Jesus' invitation into Sabbath rest is an invitation to delight in life itself. It is also an invitation to do justice. And this week, what we see is Sabbath is an invitation to embrace our limits as we embrace our limits in the, the invitation to freedom, as we embrace our limits in the presence of the limitless God. So as we have each week, we've tried to sort of wrap up with four uh, sort of practical steps that, that we can introduce into our lives. Uh, each week we've been doing that. And uh, I want to do that again this week. And again, I just want to give the disclaimer. I'm not saying it has to look like this. I'm not saying this is the rule and the only way it can happen. I'm sure you guys will come up with better better ways of doing it. Please let me know because I want to. I want that for my life too. Um, but so, so here's four ways that we might um, sort of start to embrace our limits in the presence of a limitless God and find the freedom that, that comes with that. First of all, um, set aside regular time to meditate on God's eternity and our finitude. Um, you can re read Psalms like Psalm 90 and, and, and so many others, those passages which lift us up by the scruff of the neck, show us life from 50,000 feet. Read those passages where the eternity of God is compared to our finite existence, where our limits are seen from the perspective of the limitless God. Set aside time where you will focus on this difference between our time and God's time. I think it's really important that, that this, this practice of meditating 
on, on God's eternity and our finitude is, is, is a very important part. So work that in to your, uh, to your devotional time each week. Um, and then pray as, as you read and pray like the psalmist. Teach us to number our days aright. This is so important if we're going to uh, embrace our limits, um, this, this sort of meditation. To create a routine that welcomes sleep. Now, if you are parents of a newborn, this does not apply to you because all you want to do is sleep. You're just longing to go to sleep. But for the rest of us who don't have a newborn, uh, you'll never take sleep for granted again. But for the rest of us who have not got, got, a, got a newborn, we, you know, I, I've speaking to myself here. Sometimes I fight sleep. I do. Uh, I'm like a kid who doesn't want to go to sleep, and, and, and I, I'm sometimes like, oh man. I say to Julia sometimes we're going to sleep. Uh, this is the boring bit. Right? Important. I'm just, and, and that's terrible. I'm, I'm basically fighting my limits. I'm fighting my limits. And, and that's not a good thing. I'm not accepting my limits. Look, we all know how important it is to create a bedtime routine for children. Um, I'm not sure that it should be different for us as adults. I, I'm not sure it should be. And so welcome the evening. Create a routine where you welcome the sleep and the rest that God grants. And I think this is another important way of recognizing our limits in the presence of the limitless God, welcome the evening. Three, set limits on the work, on what work can demand of us and of each other. You know, last, last week we talked about cultural differences in Mexico and, and, and in France. It was a couple of weeks ago we talked about that and how some of these cultures have, have more naturally these, these cultural forces and cultural mechanisms which will push back against the, the demand the, the, to be productive and constantly uh, efficient and effective all of the time, every day, all day, every day, right? And, and so we, we talked about France uh, a little bit. And, and you know, with, with the invention uh, of, of new technology, what do the French do? Well, the French invent a new law. And the law says that you can't expect anyone to check their emails after 5.30. And if you send an email after 5.30 on a Friday night, no one's going to be checking that until Monday morning sometime, and there won't be any response. Don't expect it. That's the law. And what that law does is it pushes back on that demand to be productive and efficient and effective all day, 20, every day. And, and it recognize, that law recognizes, in a secularized France, recognizes our limits in the presence of the limitless God. And so, if you have a job, I want to invite you to, to recognize your limits in, in a similar way and, in, and set up some sort of mechanism in your life. If you have a job where you have to check and respond to emails and, and get on tasks 24-7, set limits on when you will do that as a reflection of your own limits. You know, I've, I've, um, I've a friend who goes into every interview and he says, here's the hours that I'm going to work. And, and, and he, he doesn't lead with that, obviously. You don't walk in. That's not the first thing he says. But it's part of the conversation. As the conversation goes on, you know, they're interested in him, he's interested in them. He says, here's the hours I'm going to work. This is what you can expect from me. The rest, I have friends, I have family, I have church. I have a life outside of here. And you need to know that and you need to respect that. And he draws his boundary. And you know what? <laughs> they, they, it's been respected everywhere he's gone. It's been really interesting. Of course, and this is the other part of it, demand of us but also of each other there'll be friends who you'll find are needing to work all the hours god sends just to survive because society is not set up in a, in a fair and just way and so think about someone who is taking those extra shifts who needs those hours to survive 
And I know this could be tricky, but there are ways of doing it. Are there, is there some way that you can supplement that friend's income with the deliberate intention that that person will then be able to take a day each week, a full day, to be able to rest? Like I said, I know that can be complicated, and it can complicate relationships, I get that. But is there a way of stepping into someone's life in that way, showing up in their life to, to actually supplement their income so that they can take a full day just to rest, not be productive, not be efficient, not be effective, just to, just to rest. And then the fourth, in a country where, as we said a few weeks ago, 800 million vacation days go unused every single year, this is America, uh, 800 million vacation goes, days go unused every year, Plan to take every single one of your vacation days. Plan ahead. Some of you are, are working for companies, with, you know, these startups, and they, what do they do? They do these uh, unlimited vacation, right? And, and I thought, wow, that's great. That's, that's amazing, right? They've, they've, America's overtaken the Europeans now. They, they used to have all this vacation time, and now America's uh, actually caught up, and they've gone, gone, gone beyond that. And, and a few friends have said, no, 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 that's not how that works. What happens is we've got unlimited vacation. Okay, so are you taking your vacation? No way, I've got too much to do. What about you? No, I'm indispensable around here. No, 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 no. This has got... And so guess what? The no, no vacation, so unlimited vacation becomes no vacation very, very quickly. It's a classic example of, of you know, when, when, when something becomes everything, it, it very quickly becomes indistinguishable from nothing, right? We've been saying that in this series, and, and that, that's a classic example of that. So decide how much vacation you're going to take if you've got unlimited vacation, but, but if you've got a specified amount, plan to use every single... Don't... don't Give to that 800 million days of vacation uh, every every year that go unused in, in America. Take take that vacation. So those again are, are just some of the things that we can do um, in order to be able to recognize our our limits. And again, it doesn't have to be these things, but it can be other things. But these are ways that we can accept our limits, embrace them in the presence of the limitless God. And the funny thing is, it's tremendously freeing. So we've got to, sometimes our society has it the other way around. I need to be limitless, and then I'm free. No, actually, we need to recognize our limits, and that is incredibly freeing. The, 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 trying to live limitlessly, trying to be God, that's a burden. It's hard to be a God. It's hard to be a God. A friend sent me this reflection. Uh, Sabbath requires surrender. If we only stop when we finish all our work, we will never stop because our work is never completely done. With every accomplishment, there arises a new responsibility. We stop because there are forces larger than we are that take care of the universe. And while our efforts are important, useful, necessary even, they are not. Nor are we indispensable. The galaxy will somehow manage without us for this hour, for this day, for this week. And so we're invited by Jesus to relax and enjoy our humble place at the table in a very large world, to become present, to delight in life, to do justice, to embrace our limits. This is what it means to live in Jesus' Sabbath rest. It's a sacred place where God's time and our time intersect. And if you dwell in that intersection, here's the, here's the good news. If you dwell in that intersection, you will never have to wonder, did I make the most of my days? Did I savor it? 
Did I value the time, the people, the events, the places? Because a Sabbath day, a day lived in Jesus' Sabbath rest is never a wasted day. And so you'll never have a wasted life. So let me end uh, by saying this week, may you enjoy the freedom of Jesus' Sabbath rest as you embrace your limits in the presence of the limitless God. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.